Praise the Lord, everybody. Well, I got one person saying, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. How many of you are thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. It's always good to come into the house of the Lord, no matter what day of the week it might be. It's good to come in and be fed and spend time together with brothers and sisters, enjoying a fellowship of the Lord. Amen. We are delighted to continue our Element series tonight. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we will begin reading at verse 9. It says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Tonight's element series is titled Healthy Relationships. Healthy Relationships. How many of you feel like you have some healthy relationships? How many of you feel like you have some unhealthy relationships? Amen, it happens. Maybe I'm part of that equation. Maybe it's all them. But either the either way, there are people who have very strong relationships. And there are people who have very weak relationships. But we want to talk about that tonight. Everybody in here can say that they have a relationship. Relationship defined is the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected. The state of being connected. But just because you have connections or relationships or friendships does not necessarily make them healthy. Because I think all of us at one point or another can say that we have been in a relationship that we could look at and say, this is not healthy. This situation that I'm in is not good for my sanity. It's not good for my spiritual walk. It's just not good at all in any part of it. There are people who should be more connected, but in fact, they can be toxic to the other There are spouses who have relationships, but it's not a healthy relationship. There are some who have friends, but that doesn't mean that it is a good situation for you. Some people desire relationship and connection so badly that they're not even worried if it's healthy for them or not. They're just looking for the first person that will be their friend. How do I know this? Because... There's a thing out there called social media. And it's just people looking for anybody and everybody to just be their friend. It doesn't matter to them that it benefits them. They're not looking for somebody to be their spiritual advisor. They're not looking for somebody to encourage them in the Lord. They're just looking for somebody to be their friend. And there is a lot of people out there that... Make it a challenge just to see how many friends they can actually obtain. At the end of the day, though, how many of those friends are there with you when you really need them? 
How many of those friends that you're connected to, if something were to happen tonight and you needed somebody to call, could you call? Because the reality is even some of our close friends that we would consider people that we have good relationships with are not somebody that we would call in times of trouble. But may tonight we have a desire to not just have relationship and connection and friendship, but that we realize how important it is to have a healthy relationship. We need to look at some biblical examples and principles to live by in regards to our relationship. I want you to think tonight, what is my strongest relationship skill? Now I want you to look at your spouse and I want you to let them answer that question. What is my strongest relationship skill? Am I kind? Am I easy to talk to? Am I funny? Am I an encourager? Am I personality plus? Am I a great listener? Think about those, those things tonight. What is my best quality in a relationship? What is the best thing I have to offer? And if you have a hard time answering that question tonight, then perhaps this lesson is for you. Or perhaps the real answer is the person sitting beside you may need to know what they need to do for their relationships. As great as all of these are, they cannot stand alone. For if my relationship is not first right with God, then these will ultimately be of none effect. If my relationship right here is not right, I can usually tell. I can tell by how I talk to my spouse I can tell by how I talk to my children. I can tell how I respond to the people on the interstate. Anybody that pushes my buttons gets a quick response. And that's usually a good indicator that something is going on here. And if I would go and I would kneel down and pray and get this fellow right, then you know what, I've noticed when I do that, my other relationships work a whole lot easier. On the flip side, if I do not love my brother, then I cannot say that I love God. If there is a problem between me and you, then I can't go around boasting about the great relationship that I've got with God. You cannot have one or the other. You must have both. Matthew 22 verse 36 says, Master, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Okay, well, I've got a great relationship with you, God. I I, I talk to you every day. Me and you, we're good. But this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Hold on. Pump the brakes. We don't have a problem. But me and that person, we have a problem. And God's saying, look, that commandment to love one another, to love your neighbor as you love yourself, it is just like the first one. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 1 John 4 and 20, he says, If a man say, I love God, And hateth his brother, 
he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Sometimes scriptures are hard to swallow because we we like the things about God. We like the goodness of the Lord and that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But when he starts telling us to love our enemies, when he starts telling us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, and and to be kind to those that do harm against us. Well, we're that we don't like to hear that. We, we like to hear all about the goodness of the Lord, but we don't like when people treat us a certain way and to know that we have to treat them the way that God wants us to treat them. And that's with love and kindness and respect. And if we're going to be very honest tonight, humanity will get in the way of that. My flesh does not like to sit there and listen to some things that we have to listen to. But if I am wanting a healthy relationship then that comes with a price tag. I must understand that it all begins, though, with a relationship with God. If I do not have that, I will never truly have a healthy relationship with anyone. If I do not have God at the center of it all, then every relationship I have is not going to work out the way that I think it's going to work out. And if I'm going to have troubles... I would really rather have God with me with those troubles. If there's going to be issues, I would rather have God in the center of my life with those issues than not have God at all. So the first thing we must do is make sure that our relationship with God is right. Our relationship with God is the foundation that we can build upon. Which brings us to our first point tonight, and that is the foundation of healthy relationships. The foundation of healthy relationships. God has given us the blueprint on how to have successful relationships. We must first love God. But it doesn't just end there. We can easily say, I love God. We do easily say, I love the Lord. If I ask you tonight, how many of you love the Lord? I would hope that every hand would be lifted in this place. But scripture says we must love the Lord with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. Every part of me, every part of my being has got to love the Lord. It's easy to say it with my lips, but Jesus said you've, you've said it with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. It's easy to talk it. It's easy to come in here and play the part and say the right things. But I want to know, is your mind engaged? Is your heart in tune? Do you love me with every part of you? And once you have done that, then that act of obedience opens the door for you to obey the second commandment, which is that we love our neighbor as ourselves. A side note here. We don't get to choose our neighbors. I wonder how many of you moved into your house that you currently reside and you went and said, okay, the people that live here and right here, I'm going to pick those. I'm going to decide who gets to be my neighbors because some of them might mow my lawn and not theirs. They might cross my boundary line. They might stay up late cranking their music up really loud or they might have an obnoxious dog that barks all night. And But I didn't get to choose those neighbors. 
They just came and they moved right in and that place belonged to them just like this place belongs to me. And so it is with life. I don't get to just choose who I want to love. I don't get to choose who my neighbor is. That That's all part of God's process. And he's saying, no, I want you to love everybody. I want you to have this heart of compassion towards everybody. Well, well, well can I pick them? Oh, no. Everybody. A-L-L. All. Even the neighbor that drives you crazy. Even the one that sits on the other side of the church that you don't have to talk to all the time. Yes, even that one. Even the people that drive me crazy outside of these walls. Yes, even that one God wants you to love. If the only people I can love are people who I want to love. Or if the only people I like are people who can do something for me. I do not truly love them. Because that is making it all about me. That's not a relationship. Relationship is two ways. And if the only reason I love you is because you can do something for me, then I truly don't love you. I don't respect you. But if I love you, even if you can't do something for me, that is love. The fact that God loved us while we were yet sinners. That's love. That when I can't do anything for him, I can't give him anything he doesn't already have. I can't make him any greater than he already is because he's top notch. I, I, I feel like sometimes we think that we have to meet this criteria for God to love us. And God saying, no, I love you because you are who you are. You're who I made you to be. In Luke, the lawyer asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus did not just give him an answer. He could have said, well, this is your neighbor. But instead, Jesus says, no, I'm going to tell a story. And he tells the story of this good Samaritan. And the neighbor was not who we would think based upon their title. You would think you hear the term priest. Hey, man, that guy's got to have it. He's got to have the answers. He's got to be the one that knows it all. But in fact, that was not the neighbor at all. In fact, it was the one who was the outcast and considered scum to that one that was lying there on the ground. The neighbor was the one who showed love to the other who had been cast down and left for dead. He said, you know what? I could make this about me. I could make this about my own life and say, you know what? That person there lying on the ground has nothing to offer me. They're half dead. They're beaten. Everything they own has been stolen. He can't pay me a dime. So I really shouldn't help him. That's what the other two did. They said, this one on the ground cannot help me. They can't do anything for me. In fact, they're only going to waste my time. But this good Samaritan said, you know what? This isn't about me. This is about relationship. This is about loving somebody more than I love myself. This is about that commandment that he said, that I am to love my neighbor as myself. And so, if that were me... What would I want somebody to do? 
If I were the one that had been beaten and left half dead, what would I want them to do for me? Some of us have been that one that's been left for dead. Some of us have been that one that's been beaten by life. And you say, well, I know what I want them to do. I would want them to help restore me and take care of me. And and so that Samaritan is sitting there and he's saying, if I'm going to be his neighbor, if I'm going to really love him like I love myself, then I'm going to make sure he's taken care of. But you see, that takes thinking on our part instead of just passing by without a thought. It makes us stop and consider what this might involve. What do I need to do to make this relationship work? What do I need to do to get involved and help? And so the Samaritan does whatever he can and he puts him on his beast and he takes him and Sends him to the inn and makes sure he's taken care of. And he says, whatever cost he owes you at the end of all this, I'll come back and pay it. Now that's love. Not, hey, when this joker's feeling better, you tell him to come find me and settle up with me and pay me back for all this trouble. But that's sometimes how we respond in life. We want to make sure all the debts are paid off and everybody, we're all good and on the same page. But he said, I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about him recovering. I'm just wanting to make sure that he's taken care of. That is the kind of love that Jesus is looking for today. Throughout scripture, you will find God desiring to be in relationship with us. A heavenly relationship is often compared to and reflected in earthly relationships. God saw it was not good for man to be alone. So he created woman. But even there it did not end for he said to take thy seed and multiply. Which only made room for more connection, relationship and friendships to be developed. And it also created room for a whole lot of humanity. But the ultimate reasoning behind this is man needs friendship. We need connection. We need to have relationships. And so all of this because God realized it is not good to be alone. Even for the people that may like some moments of being alone. And they like to just go into their office and close the door and peace and quiet. Even for those people from time to time need people. They need connection. They need to know that there's still somebody out there that loves them and cares for them. And that they love them. A healthy relationship in our minds probably looks and sounds different than Jesus. Jesus' idea of a healthy relationship for my life is for me to be giving Serving and preferring the other person above myself. That's God's idea of relationship. He proved that over and over and over again in how he lived this life. He said, I'm going to show you how to love. I'm going to teach you how to love. And from there, all he did was defer somebody else. All he did was serve others and give to others and impart to others. When do you find in scripture that he comes in and sits down and says, all right, now you come and come and do something for me. When he goes and he has one more opportunity to speak a word to his disciples 
And they're thinking, man, this is the opportunity for him to just give me a word. And he says, somebody get me a towel. Somebody get me a bowl of water. And Peter says, oh, no, you're not washing my feet. And he says, if you want to be a part of me, you're going to let me wash your feet. Well, Lord, then wash my hands and wash my wash all of me because I want to be a part of you. Jesus could have taken that opportunity to say, you know what? I'm about to die for each and every one of you. And I've given a whole lot for you. Now, what can you do for me? Before I die, how can you serve me? What do you have to offer tonight, Peter? What do you have to offer tonight, James? Andrew, Thaddeus, what do you have to offer? Oh, God, I... I wasn't expecting this. But no, that's not what God did. He said, no, I want to show you how to love. And that's giving of yourself. As a parent, you understand that. And as a spouse, you understand that. That it's not always about me. And if you haven't gotten that yet, you might ought to get a hold of that pretty quickly. Because there's going to come a day you're going to come to that realization that it's not all about me. Preferring the other person above yourself. How important is that to say, no, let, let my brother go first. Let, let them have it. Let them take this seat. Then we come to our second point, which is the enduring power of love. Having a healthy relationship means having Christ-like love for others. With his love, we are patient, kind. We keep no record of wrongs. He goes through this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and he gives us a road map for successful relationships and really breaks down what it means to love. Love, according to 1 Corinthians 13, is patient. Look at your neighbor and say, patience. Learning that everyone may not do things my way. Whoo! Be patient. Patience is taking time to communicate without becoming defensive and asking rather than assuming we know what the other person is thinking can help us strengthen our relationship just by being patient. That's a word that we don't like to pray for. We don't like to talk about. And in our culture today, we certainly do not embrace. Nothing is patient. We go and we get stuff faster than we have ever gotten it. And when it is not chop chop now, we don't even know how to function. We sat on a laptop yesterday that was like dial up internet slow. Trying to communicate to our sign out there on the front of the property. And the guy that tapped into our computer to try to work, he said, man, this is slow. Man, this is slow. But as slow as it was, it's faster than what some of us had years ago. But it's not fast enough. It ain't going quick enough. Patience is not something that we like to practice. He said love is kind. Say kind. Jesus did this by being aware of others around him. Understanding their needs are important too. 
Kindness cannot truly be shown if you are only focused on your needs or concerns. But kindness is when you say, what can I do for you? How can I help you today? Man, you sure look nice. Man, I'm so happy to be your friend. Man, I'm so thankful to be your spouse. I'm so blessed. I am, you know, we, we hear somebody that's kind today and our first thought is you phony. Am I right? When, why can't it be, man, they're kind. They're nice. Maybe it's me that just has this sour outlook on life that when somebody's kind, I don't know how to accept that. You just said something nice. You must be crazy. Where'd you come from? Well, maybe they just have the joy of the Lord. Maybe they have the Holy Ghost. Kindness. It requires thinking of others first. We say, well, why is no one being kind to me? That should not be a reason for you not to be kind to somebody else. Nobody says anything nice to me. Nope, they didn't, they didn't talk about my outfit tonight. They didn't talk about my, why would I say something nice to them? This isn't about them saying it to me. It's about me saying, if I want a healthy relationship, then I'm part of that equation. What can I do to adapt? And maybe, maybe me being kind would open the door to somebody else being kind right back. Maybe me doing an act of kindness would show somebody else, man, I could do that too. Proverbs 18 and 24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Man, what an idea and a thought. That if I would show myself friendly, I might actually have some friends. The math can be simple. If you are kind, you're going to have friends. And if you are not kind, you're probably not going to have many friends. So that choice is up to you tonight. When you leave this place, if you want some friends, then start showing yourself friendly. Start being kind, showing the love of Christ. He said, love does not envy. It is content. Learning to be secure in where you are and who you are will alleviate the need for jealousy in your life. Envy will poison more than your relationships. It will poison your own heart. To constantly be wanting something else and desiring something somebody else has and allowing that to creep into your heart. You're not, you're not busting their bubble. They don't care. You're only hurting yourself by allowing that to enter into your heart. If you're envying what somebody else has, they probably don't even know it. You're not raining on their parade one bit. But if you allow that to enter your heart, you're destructing your own self. Scripture says love does not boast. Oh, a life of humility. Show me someone who is humble and I will show you someone who will go a long way in this life. There were many who bragged about who they were and what they had accomplished. And Jesus tell them he did not come for them. I didn't come for the perfect. If you're bragging to God about being perfect, he's walking right by and say, well, you're not the one I'm looking for today. I didn't come to heal those that are well. I came to heal those that had needs. 
if you're boasting about how awesome you are and how deserving you are and God's saying, I'm, well, I'm looking for somebody who, who's humble. I'm looking for somebody who's desperate and says, I don't deserve you. I don't know how I would make, that's the one I'm looking for tonight. Others said, Lord, we, we did works in your name. We cast out devils. We did all of this. We did it all in your name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. I, I never had a real relationship with you. Do not boast. He said, love is not proud. It realizes I have nothing to have pride in. The only reason I have anything good in my life is because of God. The only thing I can brag about is how awesome my God is, how awesome my church is that is a product of God, how wonderful my family is that is a product that God gave to me. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. If I can brag about anything, I can brag about my Savior. Not about me, not about my good works, not about how awesome I am, but how good and faithful God is. I wouldn't be who I am or where I am if it were not for God, my family, and the church. And I've got to realize that God did not just come to save me. He did not come to this earth just to die for Landon Long. And for me to think such is crazy talk. But for me to realize God came to save me, just like he did the drug addict, just like he did the alcoholic, just like he did any other person that struggles with sin out in the world. And that's hard for us to understand and grasp sometimes because we, we've had this too long and he, we've, we've kind of, he's personal with us and, and we think that he's only here for us. No, he's here for everybody. He said he was not willing that any should perish. Love is encouraging. Not a time of being encouraged, but a lifetime of being an encourager. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Love will cause you to pray someone else succeeds, even if that means I may not. Love is what John said of Jesus. That I must decrease so that he can increase. What if we prayed that for our neighbor? God, if, if my neighbor's succession is dependent upon me being humble and me stepping aside and making a way for them, would I be willing to do that? God, would I be willing to step aside and say, God, I must decrease so that my friend could increase? God, my brother really needs a touch from you tonight. And God, I, I know I need a touch tonight too. But God, I defer my brother. And Lord, I must step aside so that he can step up. Your response like that would probably create such a reaction from God that both of you would be blessed. That God would not only minister to the need of your friend, but would touch your life for your willingness to step aside and say, no, you first. No, I want you to be blessed tonight. I want you to receive your, your touch tonight. What a response would take place if we reacted like that in service. If when we come to church and God showed up and he said, now only one person is going to get touched tonight. I'm only going to touch one and it's going to be the first one up here. Would we respond in haste and be the first one out and, oh, it's got to be me? Or would we say, well, well, no, I... 
I, I need a touch, but I know my brother's really going through it right now. I know sister so-and-so has really had a hard time, and I, I would ask that she, she go and let, let her go first. That is love. That is love. We want to go out on top instead of asking, what could I do to help them get on top? What words could I say that would build up and edify instead of tearing down and discouraging? Love is forgiving. Love is not easily angered and does not keep record of wrongs. Forgiveness is a hard concept to grasp. Because we justify our anger and bitterness rather than giving room for another human being to do something that I am also capable of doing if I'm not careful. We're very slow to give forgiveness, but very quick to ask for it. We want to be forgiven and we want our slate wiped clean very quickly. We don't want that on our record. But we are very slow to give somebody true forgiveness. In the Lord's Prayer, we ask that our debts be forgiven. How? As we forgive our debtors. What if the level of God's grace and forgiveness towards you was determined by the level of grace and mercy you showed someone else? That's what you're praying when you pray that prayer. God, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. God, let the same level that I have forgiven them be the same level that you will forgive me. If you live that life, and you gave forgiveness out like you wanted to receive forgiveness from God. You'd be forgiving everybody. I don't want God to hold one thing against me. And so I'm not going to hold one thing against you. I'm passing out forgiveness like Oprah. You get forgiveness and you get forgiveness and you get forgiveness. Everybody gets forgiveness in the house tonight. Because I want forgiveness. I want God to forgive me as I have forgiven you. That prayer is not asking God to make me accountable, but rather being a mirror so that I can see myself. God, in the same measure I have forgiven, you will forgive me. And until our level of forgiveness matches his level of forgiveness, can I really love like Jesus? When I'm really, really to the place where I can forgive somebody in their moment of piercing my side... And putting nails in my hands and my feet and a crown of thorns upon my head. And I say, Father, forgive them. Even while they're doing all... This wasn't years later. This wasn't when he had time to process all of the hurt. This wasn't when he had time to sit down and talk to his therapist about his problems. And say, well, you're right, you're right. I, I should probably forgive those people for doing all of those things. This wasn't when he came down from the cross and was glorified and back in heaven like everything was grand and saying, you know what, I probably should go back and forgive those people. But right in the middle of the hurt, right in the middle of the pain and the torment and torture that was being put upon him, right then when he was being the one that the offenses were coming towards, he said, Father, forgive them. Right here and right now. I cannot carry this with me. Forgive them. Forgive them right here in the What if right when somebody's saying something that's offending you, you said, I forgive you. 
right in the middle of the hurt, you just stopped and said, God, forgive them. Oh, no, not me. I'm going to sulk in it for a few days. I'm going to let it get my temperature and blood boiling. And then, then I might have a little talk with Jesus. And then I might forgive them. But oh, what, what a heart to be able to forgive somebody even in the face of their persecution. Scripture says love is honest. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Truth must be given in love and with wisdom. Some people say things because they are true. But the spirit in which they did it is not really Christ-like. They come up and say, oh, that outfit is awful. Oh, you look horrible today. Are you sick? They may be speaking truth. And they may have even done it in love with the best intentions. But perhaps their spirit was not in the right place when they said it. And probably not used in wisdom. You've been there. Somebody came up trying to share something with you. And, and, and just tell you. the Sister, can I just tell you the truth? I don't know. I don't know if you can. You might need to wait. My emotions are a little rattled right now. Don't. How much truth are you going to tell me? But being honest comes with a sense of transparency. But no, that does not mean that sharing every delicate part of your life is necessary. But rather being open to sharing with someone else in a way that would unite you more than it would divide you. And saying, in this moment of me speaking the truth, my efforts are to bring unity to the body and to bring health to our relationship and me be transparent with you and tell you what's in my heart and tell you what I'm feeling right now. And I'm not doing this out of anger, but I'm doing this because of love. I'm doing this because I see something there. And you know, sometimes we don't receive those words just right, but sometimes in the, in the right spirit, in the right place, you could go up to your brother and say, brother, I've, I've really been praying and God showed me this and I, I feel like you're slipping and I want, I want to be honest with you. It's discouraged me and it, it's caused me to, to be concerned for you, but I'm praying for you and I want you to know that I love you and if there's anything I could do, you'd be surprised at how you opening up to somebody like that would be just what they want to hear so that they know somebody does see that they're hurting. That somebody has paid attention and saw that they're struggling. And they just needed you to be open and honest with them. Love is protecting and trusting. What can I do to make the other person feel safe? What boundaries could I apply in my life? What habits could I change? What could I work on in my life that my children know they are safe? What are things that I could do or say that lets my spouse know that I can be trusted? In a world that causes us to feel like we cannot trust anyone, how can I be somebody that they can trust? They can't trust our politicians right now. They can't trust doctors right now. They can't trust schools right now. So who do they trust? Who are they going to find that they can pour their heart out to that they know that... Talking to you is a safe place. Unless you're willing to tell them, hey, I'm here for you. 
I'm a safe place that you can come to. You can tell me anything you need to talk about. And I, I, I'm here for you. To show love in a way that will preserve and not persecute. If someone loses trust in you, it is hard to recover. If you're not kind, somebody will get over that. If you're not doing some of these other things, if you're not patient with them, they get it. They get it. They understand that. But if you break trust and you break that trust that they had in you, that is a lot harder to recover. If someone isn't very patient, none of us are. If someone does not do something that causes us to lose our trust, it's much harder to get over that. But may I say, what can I do to ensure that I am somebody that they can trust? Let me love like Jesus and let them know, if you're around me, this is a safe place. There are no accusers here. I'm not here to cast stones. I'm not here to to shame you. I'm here to help you. Notice loving others require I live these ways. It's not asking if others do it, then I might consider it. I will only love you if you are patient, kind, and content, and humble. No, it's saying if I want to be part of a healthy relationship, then I probably need to be healthy. If your living this way makes other people not want to be around you, then so be it. But most likely, if we love like this, more people would want to be around us. If you're loving people and you're being kind and you're sharing joy and you're content and you're happy and you're all of those things and somebody does not want to be around you, don't worry about them because they're not in the right place. But if you're living that way, I promise you, you're going to attract more people than you do not attract. Let me learn to be a safe place for anyone to come to. Bible says love is hopeful and enduring. It never quits. It never gives up. Things may change, but true love is constant. Number three says boundaries for safe relationships. Having love for others does not mean we allow people to hurt us or use us. As we seek healthy relationships, there are also healthy boundaries. We like those boundaries. Don't cross this line. Don't pass this. Don't push that button. If you push that button, my fuse that's this long is going to be burned up. We like to set up the boundaries. But listen, Jesus loved everyone and he wanted to help. But even he knew that there were some people that were not going to change. No matter how much he loved them, no matter how much he reached for them, no matter how much he cared, he was never going to change their attitude and their mindset. There was still a rich young ruler that walked away sorrowfully. That even after God told him all that he needed to do to be saved, he walked away sorrowfully because he was not willing to change. Even he knew when it was time to go and leave a place and depart from a group of people. One part of a successful Christian relationship is knowing when is a good time to stay and when it's a good time to leave. There's some situations that get escalated and the longer you sit there, the worse it's going to get. And some of us would do ourselves a favor and say, you know what, I, 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 need, to, I need to back away from this situation for just a minute. 
I need to get my thoughts together. I need to get my heart right. And then I'll come back and talk to you. If you are the only one trying to line up to God's word. And the other person is self-focused and self-centered. That is not a self a safe place for you to dwell. Turn the other cheek, they said. Do good to those that hate you. Hear me tonight. That does not mean that you have to let others manipulate you and harm you and treat you the way that you've been treated. Well, they've just, you know, Scripture says I've got to turn the other cheek. This idea gets put in our heads that we have to be a doormat for others to walk upon. But hear me, Jesus never taught his followers to allow themselves to be harmed or to stay in a harmful way or situation. He said, if you go into a city and they don't want you, you just shake the dust off your shoes and you go on to the next place. Don't stick around there if they're putting up a fight and they don't want to hear what you say. You don't have to sit there and say, no, no, I've got to stay here. I've got to get I got to get through to you. He said, there's some people you're not going to get through to. You can love them. You can be kind. You can do all the things that I've told you to do. But if they're not responding, go find somebody that will respond. Go find somebody that does want that love. Go find somebody that does want to receive what you're offering them. Because they're out there and they're hungry. There's people out there that want this. Scripture tells us to stay away from those who wish to do us harm. Proverbs 27 says, a prudent man, he foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. He says, I ain't getting anywhere around that. I'm smarter than that. But the simple pass on and are punished. They think, well, I can handle this. I'll take care of this. No big deal. He said, they're the ones that's punished. Each person in a relationship must take responsibility For his or her own feelings, attitudes, behaviors, choices, limitations, thoughts, values, talents, and love. Who chooses that? Each one, him or her, gets to choose how they are going to live. How they are going to respond. Say, I choose. It makes us feel better when we feel like they have to choose. It makes us feel better when we excuse it and say, well, I was born this way. I was just born mean. I was just born with a bad attitude. I came out grouchy. I came out hollering at the doctors and I'm going to go out hollering at doctors. It's just who I am. My mom and dad were like this and they passed these genes on to me. It's just who I am. We like to talk like that because it takes the pressure off of me to change. That if I am just this way, that I don't have to change. And it's not just that way with attitudes. It's that way in our world right now. Whatever I've got to say to say, it's not me. This is just who I am. I was born like this and it's just part. You know what I'm saying? But the choice is up to me to say, I may have been born this way, but I've been reborn since then and I can't act like that. I've been blood bought. I've been washed. Amen. I've been clean. I've been pure. And now I can't talk the way that I used to talk. I can't act the way that I used to act. I've got to choose every day to live a life that is showing the love of Christ in this manner. If scripture tells me this is what love is, this is what the love of Christ looks like, and I'm not doing that, 
then I'm failing in my responsibility to show that love of Christ. It makes us feel better when we feel like we were born this way. It takes the pressure off of me to change. But I choose what I'm going to do in a relationship. Jesus taught and showed how to say no to inappropriate behavior from others. When Jesus was weary, he knew that was a good time to go find a place of rest and solitude. He escaped and did not subject himself to an angry mob attempting to throw him off of a cliff. He was smart. He wasn't a fool. He knew good and well. Hey, there's some people trying to throw me off a cliff right now. I think I ought to slip out of here. If you're in a situation where you feel like you're in harm, it's okay to walk away. There will come a time where you will have to die, but it's not always on everyone else's time clock. Love is not them forcing you. Love is when it's time for you to lay yourself down willingly. Jesus did not say greater love hath no man than a man who allow himself to be thrown off a cliff by an angry mob. Because that would have been their response and their reaction. He said, no, they're not, they're not taking this away from me. This is my choice. He said, greater love hath no man than this. That a man laid down his life for his friends. He said, no, I get to choose. I get to choose how I'm going to love. And it's not going to be because you shamed me and you put me in that place. It's going to be because I willingly gave my life. I have to set boundaries up and I have to use wisdom on when it's time to say and when it's time to leave. And may we show others as Jesus did that by his example... Part number four is there are responsibilities within relationships. We are responsible for investing in our relationships, growing together and enduring difficult times. And my responsibility in relationships must be to serve, to love, and to care for others. This writer from our text tonight celebrated the power of connected people and the benefits of relationships. That commitment to love is easily stated, but sometimes difficult to live out. In Ecclesiastes 4, which we read from tonight in the message, he says, It's better to have a partner than to go at it alone. Share the work and share the wealth. If one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. Two in a bed, warm each other alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. But with a friend, you can face the very worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. Life together, a healthy relationship, is so important in this walk with God. I've said it before, I don't know how anybody goes through tragedy without friends without the church and without the body of Christ to be there in time of need. I cannot imagine falling and stumbling and messing up my life and not having people that I could call upon to know that they're going to pray for me, that they're going to be there to encourage me and help me. I can't imagine living a life where I did not think that I had a friend that I could come to. Scripture says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. Do it together. Talk about it together. Live the life together. 
However, I've got to love to make sure my relationship is healthy in the body of Christ. I want to do that together. Let's stand all over this house tonight. First Corinthians 12, he said, each of us is a part of the one body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, some are young, some are old, some are tall, some are short, whatever you want to identify as in that. God has made us many parts for our bodies and has put each part just where he wants it. What a strange thing a body would be if it had only one part. So he has made many parts, but still there is only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most necessary. This makes for happiness among the parts so that the parts have the same care for each other that they do for themselves. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, then all parts are glad. I love that. If one person gets honored, if all of us had the attitude that we could say, I am so happy for them. I am so happy they got that promotion at their job. I'm so thankful that their kid prayed back through. I'm so thankful that God did that for them. That's a healthy relationship. When you can be thankful that something happened good for somebody else. Now here is what I'm trying to say. All of you together are the one body of Christ. And each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Our relationship is not to fix somebody else. It is not to be a savior for somebody else. It is to love. Someone already took care of that salvation part. We just have to be his disciples and love one another. And point them to that savior. A healthy relationship does require two people both willingly seeking that connections. But I cannot change the other person. We can talk and we can communicate. But you have to have that determine the relationship talk. Where is this going? Am I making any progress? Is this worth my time? Is it worth my effort? And I've got to be the one to look at myself and say, God, I'm doing all I can to make this work. God, I've given of my heart. I've given of my mind. And God, I need you to step in and show me the rest of the way. I need you to help me to love like you love. Because I'm not always patient and I'm not always kind and I'm not always all those things you ask me to be. But God, perhaps if there's a relationship in my life that is not working or, or there's frustrations there or there's anger and bitterness there, before I start looking at them, God, let me look at me and say, God, change me. Let me be the one willing to say, God, let me make sure that I'm aligned with what you're trying to do. Let's lift our hands all over this place. Father, tonight we love you. We thank you so much for your many blessings. 
God, we desire a healthy relationship, God, not only with you, but with one another. God, but first we must make sure that our heart is right with you. God, and from there, Lord, help us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. God, to make sure that we are in line with what your word says. To love the way that you would have us to love. God, help us to show ourselves friendly. Help us to be kind, Lord, and patient. Help us to be forgiving and not boasting. God, I pray that whatever your word says, that we would apply it to our life. God, let every relationship that we are in tonight, God, be strengthened in the days ahead because we put forth the effort to do more and to be more for you. God, we ask it tonight in the name of Jesus. Let it be so. Let us love somebody tonight with the love of Christ and show you to them. God, and we thank you for bringing us together tonight. Go with us and lead us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And it is so. Praise God. Love somebody tonight. Amen. Thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord. Thank you to those watching online with us tonight. We pray that you've been blessed. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.